Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am really excited to share my conversation with Christy Wright with you. And if you have felt overwhelmed at all by your own life, or if you felt like, hey, the the life I'm living, I, I don't like. Like I, I actually feel like I'm I'm overwhelmed by the things that my life is kind of running me and I am not running it. I think that Christie's book, Take Back Your Time, is going to be a valuable resource for you as well as this conversation. So can I ask you to share this message with someone who you think could really use just some inspiration for life? If somebody is feeling discouraged in any way or just needs a little bit of a a pep talk or a refresh, um, Christy is very inspirational. She is very wise beyond her years. If you don't know how to share it, if you're listening on um, an iPhone, there are three dots at the bottom. Usually you click that click share. You can text somebody to share it. Uh, If you took a screenshot and tagged Christy and myself and shared that on social media, that would be amazing. That's one of the ways people find out about podcasts. So that would be great if you could share it. I also want to share with you um, two resources that I have. I have a lot of free resources on my website for you, just things you can download. One that is like scripture-based bedtime prayers for kids. One that is something called Deep Soul Rest. It's a five-day email series. It just helps you get to a place of how do I get to that place of deep soul rest with God. So I have free resources. I also have two courses um, that I try to keep the price point low um, but they are, they're transformational courses. So one is my Tangled course, comes with an e-copy of my Tangled book, just helps you get to the root of what is really going on in your life. So if you are sick of managing symptoms and you just want to get to the root of it and deal with things once and for all, you will feel so much lighter and freer. I also have my course, Ready to Rise. This is real life, mom. Yes. Can you wait one minute? Okay. I also have my course, Ready to Rise, uh, and that is going to help you figure out what your gifts, talents are, and um, be able to use them. And, and I think there's something where we, we feel actually a sense of anxiety inside of ourselves when we're actually not using the gifts that God has given us. And so my Ready to Rise course just helps you figure out who God's created you to be, throw off some of that fear, and run your race as the person God has called you to. I also hope that my five-year-old walking in on me as I record this intro um, gives you a laugh, but also just just real life, that the things we're doing, the things we're pursuing, the things that the things that God's calling us to, they don't have to be perfect. We just have to say yes and go forward in them. So enjoy this conversation with Christy, share it with a friend, buy her book, and I know that this will help you move one step closer to thriving. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am sitting here with the lovely Christy Wright and be prepared. 
I've written a bit of a long bio here, but she deserves it. So Christy Wright is a national best-selling author. She is a personal development expert and the host of the Christy Wright Show. Her new book, Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance, has just released, and it is full of practical tips to help you prioritize what really matters in your life. Also, side note, Christy's book is not only at Target, but if you pop in there right now, you may actually see it on an end cap, which is super exciting. Christy is also a wife and a mom to three kids, six and under, and a Dave Ramsey personality, which I will get her to explain. Plus, she is the kind of mom who, when her kids want a squirrel-themed birthday party, (laughs) she makes it happen. Or when they want to trick-or-treat dresses the Waffle House, not a waffle, the actual restaurant, she does it. So Christy is someone I have loved learning from over the years, and I know you will too. So Christy, welcome to Ready to Thrive. That's my favorite <laughs> intro I've ever had. Okay, Hands down. Well done. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Um, and honestly, like as I was writing that bio, I was like, there's so much more I could add. But it makes sense that you are the person to write about life balance and time management. Because just thinking three kids in five years, like that, that's beyond a full-time job. And then you have a full-time job and then you're writing books. And so all these things, and I know having um, heard from you in various areas, seeing you live your life, um, Christy's definitely somebody fun to follow on Instagram, um, you are really doing it um, authentically for God's glory. And you really, um, you want to be like all in on the things that matter. And so those are some of my favorite voices to follow and listen to people who are, they're not just talking about something theoretically. They're like, we're living this out. And also this message came from a hard place Mm -hmm. of having to live it out. So let's just dive right in. Um, And actually I want to go back Um, very quickly, because I think I love hearing where people have come from and we're going to get to kind of where take back your time, um, has come from, but you started out, um, you, you're an entrepreneur and and your mom was an entrepreneur. So tell me just a little bit about that. And then also how you, um, arrived at Dave Ramsey. Yes. Well, I have, um, I've spent the last 10, 11 years coaching women in businesses. So my first book was called business boutique. I have an event. It was a podcast. I have a coaching group. So I have a heart for for women in business, anybody in business. I speak at Entree Leadership conferences and other conferences as well. But what's so interesting is in 11 plus years of helping people with business, the number one question I'm asked is not a business question. It's this question. How do you balance it all? And so it made me realize, wow, this is a huge pain point for people. It is something I'm asked to speak on all the time and have been since 2010 but what's interesting is it took on a whole new meaning for me when I had three kids, you know, three kids yeah. in five years. And and like many people, I have a lot of interests. You know, I don't feel, um, you know, we all have different things that kind of can steal our time or make us feel guilty. For me, it's not as much the, the I get distracted by a bunch of miscellaneous things I feel guilted into. That's a piece of it. But for me, it's just that I want to do all the things. Yeah. I want to say yes to everything because they all sound fun and good. I, yeah. I, I have a lot of interests. And so, um, I think the heart behind that is I, I love life and I want to live it to the fullest. And if we're not careful, that drive or any other ones can lead us to this place of being absolutely exhausted. 
and we're resentful and we feel guilty, like we're doing the wrong thing. And this, even this idea of balance is kind of this shadow that haunts us. Like, uh, you know, we don't know what balance is. We're just sure we don't have it. It's always lurking around the corners. And so I thought, you know, we're, I'm asked about this more than anything else. I crave this in my own life. We have a lot of mixed feelings about the word, like, oh, balance, you know, but we just keep talking about it. So I thought I want to go into this space and spread hope and light and freedom in a space that is traditionally weighed down by guilt and shame. And so it set me on this path of not only teaching it, but researching it and living it out in my own life, figuring out what works and what doesn't. And uh, that's what really led me to putting this book out there. So while I love teaching on business, this book for me existed before the business stuff. I mean, this was in my heart uh, from the from the get-go and it went back in 2010. So it's been fun to see how God has been so faithful to bring that around. We were just talking even before we started recording about full circle moments. And this is one of those full circle moments. This is one of the first topics I ever spoke on, even before I had kids, ironically. And so it has just stuck stuck with me and um, and it's evolved. And now I'm super, super excited to get to hopefully bring a new message of hope into this space. Well, it's so good. And even as you, you mentioned that word um, resentful, like you can be resentful. And I think what can happen sometimes is, is we pursue anything. We pursue a career. We pursue having kids. And then a few years down the way, we actually realize that we resent those things. Like we are, we're mad because we feel stuck in them. And I know one of the things that I have experienced, I've seen lots of women experience is this really kind of this victim Mm -hmm. uh, mindset, being a victim to our own life, our own time and feeling really helpless in it. It can definitely be something uh, I think for a lot of moms, we can experience kind of this motherhood martyrdom. Um, And it makes sense because at the beginning, your babies demand everything of you. Like your whole life gets turned upside down, but then we can kind of get stuck there where we're still like, oh, I have to do these things for the kids. I have to. And so what does it look like to kind of shift that mindset yeah. of I'm hopeless. I am a victim in my own life to, I actually get to choose. I get to choose what I fill my life with. Well, I think you bring up a really good point because as long as we have the narrative that we're failing and we have the narrative that we're a victim to our schedule and we have to do this and we have to do that, we are choosing to not enjoy our life because no one living their life out of guilt and obligation and things they have to do is having fun. It's it's this victim mentality, which is incredibly dangerous. What's interesting, this just came to mind, Jocelyn, as you were talking, if you go back even to Genesis in the garden, it's like the original lie, the original like, did God really say, you deserve better. You can have more. You can eat that apple. You can know everything. As if somehow we're missing out. God is withholding us. And the same tactic still works. It's like, oh, well, you have to do that. Well, you you know, you, you just can't do anything for yourself. This is why you can't have nice things. This is why you, it's, it, you know, it's everybody first. And all these just like victim thoughts yeah. and it's not beneficial to us. It's not serving us in a practical way at all, but it's robbing us of the moment we're in. And so I think that sometimes we can, um, we can get so caught in this thought pattern that we don't even realize we're doing it. And so while there's a practical application of time management in your calendar, and I talk about that, creating your version of balance, um, there's also a very personal responsibility component. Any, my friend Rory Vaden says, anything on your schedule is something you put there or something you allowed to be there. Other than paying taxes and a few handful of things, you don't have to do. 
most of what you are doing. You choose to do it because of whatever variables and, and deciding factors, which is fine. But when you begin to change your language of I choose to do this because this is right for me right now, then it gives you a sense of ownership and power and control that's really, really important. And that helps you change your attitude. Um, you know, I, I was thinking even recently, um, this a, a week or so ago, I was journaling, thinking about the season ahead. And I can be so um, goal-oriented that I'm like, oh, I just need to get through this, just need to get through this. And I journaled and was like, I don't want to get through anything. Yeah. I was like, I get, you get if I'm going to say I get, I get to launch a yeah. book. I get to travel. I get to speak. I get to do work that makes a difference and makes me come alive. That's what I get to do. Not, I just need to get through it. And so when we start changing our language and our thought pattern, I think it's going to change how we experience our life. And that's that's really important. And I'm glad you brought that up because I don't just address the calendar issues in the book. I address the deeper motivations and attitudes below the calendar that the calendar reflects so that we can solve it at the root issue. Totally. Well, I really appreciate that, that you are getting to the heart issues, but also um, one of the things I think you do so well, both in your podcast and your writing, is helping women, like you're not telling women, here's what to do. You're right. saying, help me, or sorry, I'm going to help you figure out how to make right. this work for yourself. And so right. you have in your book, you have questions and you have online workbooks you can download and, and work through this stuff. And so really part of it comes down to, like we get in the place of doing something because other people are doing something. And again, back to the motherhood thing where it's like, school has just started here and so have all the activities. And so after school, you hear all the mom, like, well, I got to race to this and I got to race this. And, and so you can think, oh no, like I, my kids aren't in that. Like I need, I'm behind. We need to get in that. And so part of this process is actually figuring out what is important to you? What is important to your family? knowing that clearly, and then you will not feel like it might kind of come at you that little bit of anxiety or comparison. It's like, ah, are we, you know, are we missing out here? But you can, you can be rooted in, no, no, no. I know what we value. I know what's important. We're putting those things in the schedule. And so I think that's why this is really such a key book. If you have never spent time figuring out what you value, what you prioritize and and really putting those things in first and knowing those things clearly. This is this is key to really having a thriving life. Well, and it's interesting because you bring up a good point, like the activities, for example. I think a lot of times we just do what we see everybody else doing or we do what we've always done. Yeah. And what everyone else is doing is not necessarily right for us right now. And what we've always done isn't necessarily right anymore. And so let me give you an example. I am um, one of my best girlfriends, Jenny, a few weeks ago, she sent me a Marco Polo, you know, the video chat and yeah. we'll, we'll video chat back and forth and she was super stressed in this Marco Polo. She's like, you know, I just decided that I was my kids when my kids went back to school that I was going to go back to work part time, and I'm just I'm just really busy, and I've just got to get my job, my resume, and do career builder, and like find part time. Like she's frantic, and she said, I, I'm just so anxious. I'm just so, you can hear it in her voice. Yeah. And her kids have been in school for like a day, like five yeah. minutes, right? Yeah. And so I sent her a Marco Polo back, and I could not help it, even though she's my best friend. I went into like Coach Christie mode, and I said, you know what, Jenny. I said, you decided to go back to work when your kids started school. And so, you know what? You can just decide not to. You could change your mind. You can decide that you're not going to do soccer this year. You can decide that you're not going to sign up for 47 activities. You can decide that you're not going to attend any of the parent events at your school if you don't want to. 
No one is making you go to that parent coffee, the PTA meeting, or be the homeroom mom. No one's making you do that. And so when you begin to zoom back and go, why am I doing what I'm doing? And what is right for me? Is PTA right for me? Is the parent coffee, the soccer, the going back to work part-time right? Cool. If it is great, I want to help you do that. But to your point, Jocelyn, I want to ask you questions that bring awareness to you, to bring front and center what's right for you and question why you do what you do. Because if you're doing things because it's right for you, then great. You're going to find peace and fulfillment and confidence in that. But if you're doing things for other reasons, well, we've always done it. Like, I just wonder how many people in the summer, for example, how many families pay, play travel ball because they've always played it. And the parents assume the child wants to, so they sign them up. The child assumes they have to because their parent wants to. And everybody's traveling all over to these games, sitting on the sidelines, doing something no one actually wants to do because they didn't just stop and go, hey, do you want to do that this summer? Or do you want to, like, go to the beach? Yeah, 100%. Or just go to camp or just do nothing. And so I just want to help people constantly assess what's right right now. Because I think that we think of priorities and resolutions as this set it and forget it thing. We decide once in the beginning of our life. We decide once at the beginning of the school year or in January, and then we never revisit them again. And guess what? Things change. Your plans change. Your priorities change. The season changes. What's important to you changes. So I want to constantly be asking you, and I want, you, I want to help you ask yourself, what's right right now? What's right for me right now, launching a book and working all the time is very different than what was right for me in the summer when I didn't work Fridays and I went to the lake a lot. And so just constantly ask yourself, what's right right now? And it's going to give you clarity about what that is so you can spend time on it, but also permission to focus on it and enable you to shake the guilt for all the things that are not right right now. When you don't sign up for travel ball or you don't go to the PTA thing, you're not a victim to that. You choose that no. And you go, oh no, I don't feel bad about all the moms being at the ball game or me, all the moms being at PTA because that's right for them. And that's great for them. It's their life, but it's not right for me. And so it just gives you this confidence and permission to do what's right for you. Love that you just use that word permission because I think that is the thing we often just were looking for. We need, and actually I would say, um, if you are the mom who feels like you're actually not like swimming the same path as all the other moms. Like I've often felt like we're a little bit countercultural sometimes in yeah. some of the things we've chosen. Um, I want to say that as you live your life, you actually are giving others permission. Like as you show up fully and you say, I know what our values are. And so similar to, um, I love your example with um, your friend and actually that she made a decision. And it's one thing to make a decision in one season. Like let's say in the summer, we're like, in the fall, when my kids are in school, I'm going to do this. And you can kind of create this timeline. Then you're in the season realizing, you know what? This actually doesn't make sense for the season. Right. Giving myself permission to say this, I'm actually unchoosing this for right now, not forever, but for right now. Right. And I remember a few years back, we were, it was sometime in the summer, we were at a friend's pool swimming and it was probably like five o'clock at night. And my husband came and joined us for just a little window. And it was one of those weeks where, again, you're in a season where he was very busy. And this was the one time we were going to see him. But that night, my kids had gymnastics or something. And I was like, you know what? If we don't leave now, we're going to miss gymnastics. But because I know my values, I know that family time actually is going to trump right. this sporting activity. And the main reason I would go is that it costs a lot of money. And so I was like, well, I, I do value how we spend our money, but 
I value our family time more. And so it was very easy to confidently make that decision and say, I feel good about this. I feel good because, because those decisions happen on the fly sometimes. And so when we know what our priorities are, we can say, actually, I can confidently make this decision. And that might be different for somebody else listening because they may have a different value. But that's a beautiful analogy. That's a perfect example where off. So so one of the things I've seen is that there can be a gap between what you care about, what you spend your time on. And when you don't spend your time on the things you care about, you feel that resentment and that angst and that tension and that stress. And I want to help you bridge that gap. So you're doing what's right for you. So someone else might be in that scenario and they go to gymnastics because they're like, I've got to go to gymnastics. They don't want to. What they want is family time. And then they're mad at their husband because they never see him. And we missed this time for you. Well, we had gymnastics. And why couldn't you come home at a different time? When all they really had to do is go, which is more important? Which matters to me? What's right right now? Seeing our dad, our family, our spouse that we don't see very often right now in this season. Or going to gymnastics to say we did not waste the money. Well, okay, what's dad? Okay, well, so when you make those decisions, it, it gives you such a source of confidence. And you're going, it's that peace, that inner peace where you don't have that angst because you're actually doing what's right. That's the thesis of the whole book yeah. is life balance is doing the right things at the right time. When you do that, you feel that sense of balance you've been looking for and you can still be busy and your world can still be out of balance, but you become a balanced person because you're doing what's right for you. But I want to hit on something you said a second ago, Jocelyn, because I think this is really important to call out when you said something to the effect of, you know, when we do things that are different from people around us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that when you do things different from people around you, it is uncomfortable Yeah. because peer pressure is strong, even for parents, even for communities, even for neighbors, like what people do, whether you realize or not, you're not immune to peer pressure. No one is when you're swimming upstream because you do something different. It's not even necessarily better. It's just different. That feels uncomfortable because your eyes are watching everybody else do something. But here's what I want to encourage people. It is better to be different and slightly uncomfortable with the peer pressure than to go along with the peer pressure because you're actually, you're, you're going to let one of them down. You're either going to let down, I'm not doing what everybody else is doing, or you're going to let yourself down and it hurts more to let yourself down. Let me use a, a weird example. Several weeks ago, um, some kids in my son's class got together and, and all the moms got together for this like play date at the pool. And I love these moms. I love these moms. I love the kids. I loved everything about it. All of the moms hung out over here to the side talking. They never got in the pool. None of them. Not one of them ever got in the pool. And so they just sat there talking. And my eyes saw that and I thought, well, am I supposed to be talking? Am I supposed to be sitting with them? Is this what moms do? Like, like I felt that peer pressure to go do what they were doing. But that's not what I wanted to do, Jocelyn. What I wanted to do was swim with my kids. So I stayed in the pool the whole time swimming with my kids. And was it uncomfortable? That I was like, I'm the only mom not hanging out with the moms. I'm the only mom. Are they thinking like, oh, I'm trying to be the fun mom or I'm trying to be the, the cool mom. Or I'm, it's like, I wasn't trying to be into that. I was just doing what was right for me. I'm an active, engaged, participative mom. And I loved playing volleyball with all the kids, jumping off the high dive, going down the slide. And so that's what I did. And when I went home, I had this piece that I did what was right for me. Slightly uncomfortable because yeah. it wasn't what anybody else did. And that, that does have an effect on you. But I think I would have gone home disappointed if I hung out with the moms because of the peer pressure and I was not true to myself. And so when you do something slightly different from what you see around you, yes, it's a little uncomfortable, but it does get easier with time. And at the end of the day, you're going to be more proud 
of how you spent your time when you do what's right for you. So much of this book is reminding you, this is your life. No one gets to tell you what should be important to you. I just want to help you identify that for yourself so that you can have the confidence to spend time on those things. Well, I love that. And you, you touched on something that I think is really key as well. And that is when we go to do something, um, something will happen in our head sometimes where we will think, what are those people thinking? Those people might be thinking X, Y, and Z. Now they might, they really might. We can't control that. And so I think actually acknowledging like I have zero control over what other people think of me is very freeing, but also they're probably not. Like they, they probably are thinking, I wish I felt comfortable in a bathing suit. I wish I was as fun as that. I wish like, and actually what I think happened on that day, I think there were some moms who said, the next time I come to the pool, that's what I'm going to do. And that's why I think when we live our lives, it gives other people permission. We may never know. We, they may never come up to us and say, hey, that one day when you're at the pool, you know, later on, I wanted to become a better mom. When I see my friends who are making, like living their lives and making some of those decisions, it inspires me and it makes me confidently think this is what I want to do in this moment. And it's, it's probably going to look a little bit different. And I'm probably going to have to manage those voices in my head that say, this is what other people are saying. This is what other people are thinking. Those voices are probably not true and are going to hold you down every single time. So throwing off those voices, confidently knowing, and I love that you kind of gave yourself that assessment. Like I'll be more disappointed when I go home if I, you know, give into this place. And so it is, um, again, another decision that I think is made kind of on the fly. And those decisions that are made on the fly, we can confidently make when we've done the work, like when we've done the work to really assess, these are the things that, that are important to me. And it's my, my one life that I want to live this way. And we're going to screw up as well. I'm sure you've had those times too. I know um, for me, I had this one afternoon where I had kid-free time is like very valuable, right? Yeah, so right. Um, I had this one afternoon, I think I had two hours of kid-free time. And I discovered a few years ago that on my kid free time, it was better for me to go for a walk, to exercise, to do something that was really caring for me instead of running errands. I was like, I can run errands with my kids for the most part, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can do other things with them. There's certain things I can only do on my own. And so this one day, I think I went to the gap because I had some like gap bucks or something. And I chewed up almost all of my kid free time. And I remember leaving there saying like, Never again. Because what I had said is, I'm going to, I'll do this first and this, this, and then I'll go to the coffee shop. Always. And have my, it's always and I was have like, time left over. So I, but it's, it is ingrained in my head. I will not make that decision again. Like I yeah. am not going to waste yeah. that time. And so I think that's part of what I hope women get from this as well is the, um, you get to choose. And when you screw up, like screw up, quote unquote, you get to learn from it and choose differently. Well, and you get to decide who you want to be. And I think that's a piece of it because going back to the fun mom example, I hear women say all the time, I'm not a fun mom. I'm not a fun mom. And I'm like, says who? Go do something fun and decide that you are and then be the fun mom. And those women said to me that day, I had at least three of them say like, oh, well, you're just, you're busy being fun or, oh, well, you're just the fun mom. And I was like, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, Come be fun with I'm, me. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for it. Like you're, you're exactly right. It's like, and I hope. To your point, I hope that it inspires them. Not that they have to do what I'm doing. It would be, let's flip the whole scenario. Let's say I go to a pool party and I'm the type of mom that's like, I need a break. And all the moms are swimming. But what's right for me is to sit on the side here and take a break. Cool. When you actually 
decide what's right for you, it allows you to find confidence in those things, even if it's not what's right for everyone else. So whether it's PTA or how you work or where you work or how you parent or what your version of fun is. And I don't think, I don't want people to be like me. I want people to be the best version of them. And I want them to figure out and find confidence in the choices that are right for them. And so um, I think sometimes we can just place these labels on ourselves and then we just live within it. I'm not a fun mom. I'm like, well, do you want to be? Because you can be if you just decide to be. You can just decide to do something fun, then boom, you're a fun mom. You're welcome. Well, I think, again, you've touched on something so key, which is um, any way that we label ourselves can limit us, right? Like any of those things we can say, like, I'm not a business person or I'm 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 not not a writer. writer. I'm not a runner. I'm not a fun mom. (laughs) I'm not a, who says who? Go write something. Go put your idea on Facebook. Go run to the end of the block. I literally use all those examples in the book, like, You are in a very practical side, not in a spiritual side, but in a practical side, you are your actions. So it's not, I need to feel fun to do fun. It's I'm going to do fun. And then I am fun by definition. I wrote something. So I'm a writer. I ran. So I'm a runner. Like, I think so much of it is we, we make excuses about who we are or are not, or think we can and can't be. And the truth is, you get one life. You can be who you want to be. You can do what you want to do. But some of it just comes down to doing the work of deciding what that is for you and then having the confidence to chase it. When you share a story in your book um, about a man who wrote a few words on a note saying of who he wanted to be. And I thought about that. It is incredibly powerful, even when we are not that. Right. To decide to say, this is who I'm going to be. And I would say even... Um, about our kids as well, because our kids, my, one of my children recently has gone through a very challenging season and it's actually easier for me to call out, um, who she is in a negative way. And this is something that I picked up from Lisa Bevere, who often talked about her four boys and how she would speak the life and truth over them, but also who they're going to be. And, um, I had one of, I had another kid come into the bathroom recently and I was praying and I was actually just praying out who God's created her to be. She came in and I said, oh, I was just talking about you. And she, she gave me that look like, uh, no, no one is here, mom. Like you're officially crazy. And I was like, no, I was, I was talking to God about how incredible you are and who you're going to be. And, and I kind of love, you know, we talk about that idea of, um, having somebody walk in on a conversation where you're speaking like, so great about them. And I was like, what a great moment. Um, and I will say this, I've had lots of, of the negative moments. I've had lots of the moments where I've gone, Oh, I need to apologize, or that's not who I want to be, but start with saying, who do I want to be? You know? And for me, right right in this season, it's like, I don't want to be a mom whose uh, face is in a screen. I don't want to be a mom who is, uh, this is a very timely book. Like I, I want to be able to know what season I'm in with my kids, but right. also with my business and with other right. things. And, and you talk about that in the book where it's not about everything being 50, 50, but really knowing what season am I in? And so what am I prioritizing in that season? So I love that you break that down. Yeah. I want to, um, unpack something that you have. So you have actually, again, super practical, you write down this path to balance. And so you have five different things you say. One, Decide what matters. Two, stop doing what doesn't matter. Three, create a schedule that reflects what matters. Four, protect what matters. And five, 
be present for what matters. So let's just talk about step number one, um, decide what matters. So we often live as if everything matters equally. We have, we often deal with the fire right in front of us and it's really hard to kind of figure that out. So how do we begin to decide what matters? Well, we don't, we don't understand priorities. So let's just, let's kind of define this for a second because most people listening go, oh, I understand priorities. No, I totally get it. Here's, here's two things that we get wrong about priorities. The first thing we get wrong about priorities is we think of priorities as a set it and forget it thing. As if we have one set of priorities in life for all of life. And these, this, these are these absolutes. And this is, um, it doesn't actually have an implication on how we spend our time. It's just like our values in our heart. You know, Christians say all the time, like, I know my priorities. My priorities are God, other, self in that order. And I'm like, that's beautiful. That did not help me manage my Tuesday. So we we have this idea that like, it's this concrete thing. It's this Sunday school answer and actually doesn't have an implication in our calendar at all. Then the second thing we get wrong about priorities is we can't do it. (laughs) We think everything is if it's created equal. And you will hear this, especially with women, but, but everybody does it. Even when we rattle off, things we have to do today on our calendar or things we have to do today on our to-do list. It's like, well, I've got to feed the kids. I've got to pay bills. I've got to work out, reorganize my attic. I've got to go to the BTA meeting. I've got to make homemade gluten-free, vegan-free cookies for everyone in the entire neighborhood. And oh, by the way, I also have to go solve world peace. It's like, what? What? Like you need to do some of those things. Probably pay bills and feed your kids. Working out is optional. You don't need to make homemade cookies for everyone in the neighborhood. These are not created equal. And so when we pile on the pressure and pile on the tasks, we make it almost impossible for us to discern what we actually need to be doing and what we don't need to be doing, what we want to do and what we don't want to do. So what happens is we spend four hours making homemade cookies from scratch and our kids haven't had breakfast or we didn't pay our bills because we treat it as if it's all equal and then we just do whatever's in front of us. And so I wanna help people understand everything is not important you can list in order of importance, which is the definition of prioritizing, what actually is important. So if I want to get, if I get nothing else done today, this is what I want to get done most. Here's my top three to five things, not 35, three to five things I want to get done most. Then I have all these other ideas, like maybe I'll reorganize the attic, steam clean the couch cushions, go to the PTA meeting and make homemade cookies for everyone in the neighborhood. I can capture those on another list of like optional things I could do if there's time left over. But just by the nature of how I title that list in that way gives me permission to never do any of it. It's an idea list. But then on my actual priority list for the day, it is pay bills, feed my kids, you know, whatever those things are. And those are things you actually have to do. So so one of the things I want to help people understand is, yes, you have a set of fixed priorities. Those are definite priorities. When push comes to shove and all hell breaks loose, this is what matters most. My kids matter before my work in that list. Okay. Hands down. If all things were falling apart, thankfully we don't live in that world. So we need more practical, specific, current, relevant lists, which I call your flexible priorities. And they reflect the season that you're in the week that you're in. They're more specific and tangible. So while my kids matter more than my work in the grand scheme of life, um, if something were to go wrong, obviously, in reality, my kids don't matter more than my work right now. My, launching this book is more important than my children. Now, I know some of your listeners are like, Ooh, she's the worst. No, 
I'm actually practical with how I approach priorities. If I have an opportunity to fly out tomorrow to go to New York to do a media hit, I'm going to say yes to that. So I'm, I'm actually just honest about how my priorities are reflected on my calendar. So people are like, oh, my kids are more important. But yes, I'll say yes to that New York thing. No, let's just, let's be realistic about how these priorities are reflected in your season. And so last summer, I took off Fridays. I went to the lake. I played with friends. My house was clean. I had all kinds of priorities that are not true right now. I'm working like crazy. My house is a mess. I don't see my kids as much and I don't see my friends at all right now. That just means that my priorities in this season, my book launch has moved up the list. That doesn't make you a bad mom. It just makes you a wise person that you're going to have a set of specific priorities that reflect the season you're in. So I call these flexible priorities where you list an order of importance, what's right right now. And, and then that gives you permission to focus on it and not feel guilty about it. That is so good. What I loved in that is that you just said, I'm going to, I'm going to be honest right now. And I think that is actually one of the main ways we figure out what our, our priorities are. We actually have to tune out what Sally down the road is doing. The the mom of the year that we look up to or business person of the year, right? Whatever they're doing and say, no, what is actually, what is my priority in this season? What is the thing that, um, that I need to be doing in my life? Well, and you know, what's interesting. And I just want to, I want to have this one aspect that I want to highlight as well. There's not a right way to do it. What's right is right for you, but here's what's key. When you spend your time on your priorities, you have to acknowledge that it is right and be present for it. Because what I used to realize, and this is such a thread that I pulled through the book, but my guilt used to always come from one place, focusing where I was not. When I was at work, I was thinking about my kids. When I was with my kids, I was thinking about work. I was always focusing on where it's not. So of course I always felt guilty. I was always focused on what I was not doing. I did, I had 50 things on my to-do list. I got 47 done. I feel guilty for the three. So in your example, let's say Susie Homemaker down the street and she's stay-at-home mom of the year. She's at every PTA meeting. She's homeroom mom. And she has those vegan cookies. Okay. Yeah. You might look at her and think, oh, she's mom of the year. She's winning. And I'm failing because I'm working outside the home or I have a small business or whatever. What you're doing is focusing on where you're falling short. So you're, you're, you perceive that you're falling short with your kids and she's winning. You know what she's doing? She's going, I'm failing. I'm not providing for my kids. I'm not, I mean, I'm not providing for my family. I'm not creating an extra income. I'm not using my gifts. I'm not using my degree. Both women are focusing on what they're not doing. And if you live your whole life focusing on your perceived failure or what you're not doing, then of course you feel guilty. So, so much of this, um, the, the power of this book, Jocelyn, is not just doing what's right, but then acknowledging that it's right. I'm going to be at work and be like, this is what's right right now. I'm proud of this. I'm going to be with my kids. I'm going to be like, this is what's right right now. Flip your focus to what you're doing right and be present for that. Be proud of those 47 things you did right and watch how that changes how you experience your life. You not only enjoy your life more, you're actually proud and you realize I'm doing better than I realized. But as long as you focus on your lack, you're always going to feel guilty and you're missing all the things you're doing right. So regardless of how and where you work or how and where you parent, I just want you to focus on the thing that you're doing, be where your feet are and be proud of that instead of focusing on the thing you're not doing. That's simple, but it's really powerful. That it is. That's so good. Um, I This summer I took basically two months off and I still had a few things to do here and there, um, but I really took off, what I kept saying is, I'm taking off the mental load that says, you need to figure it out. You need to figure out all that you're doing for the fall. You need to, and I just said, 
no, I don't like, and I'm, and actually it was the very last week we had this final week at a lake with the family and I was reading a book and I honestly just felt like God was downloading to me what to focus on in the next season. And I, I kind of began to like cry laugh because I was like, of course, of course he's giving me the right answer at the right time, but I had to trust him in that season because it's hard, especially I know for a lot of women, it actually is hard to trust God in the rest season, in the season where he says, slow down, pull back or, or focus on your kids when you want to be running off onto your business or whatever it might be. And so I, I loved that what he gave me came from that season of rest and it was hard. There were times where I was like, I need to continue to trust. I need to continue to be here. My kids are here. My youngest has just started kindergarten and she's just getting into the full days. It was like, you know what? Be here. Be here for the next few weeks. Be here for the next few days. Be all in. And when they come home from school, I love, there's a book uh, that just came out last year by uh, Megan Hyatt and Michael Hyatt. And yeah. um, one of the things that she talks about is getting to that tent, like, place of tension where their business was growing and her family was growing. And she just said, rather than going off of the accelerator, rather than saying, I have to choose, she just said, I'm creating boundaries and I'm going to be done at three. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to be all in where I am. And so um, some of it, I think, is once you know what it is that you prioritize getting a little bit ruthless and understanding um, Greg McEwen talks about this in his, is it Greg McEwen in uh, not effortless, but in um, essentialism, essentialism, he talks about Mm trade-offs, right? And so understanding as well that just because we're making a decision that lines up with our values and with like, we're prioritizing those things. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be losses. It doesn't mean like Mm -hmm. Christy just said, she is not seeing her friends right now. Um, Right. Like, so to get this book out. So there is that, uh, we can kind of feel like, oh, you're, we're doing all the things, but it's like, no, we're, there's, there's trade-offs in different seasons. And so I love that you talk about how they ebb and flow. I want to, um, I want to ask you also about step number two, because you use such a great analogy and, um, you share about how often in our closet, we can get to this place where, um, we have nothing to wear. And I was like, oh, I feel that. Like yeah. you open your closet and it's not that you don't have things you want to wear. It's just that there's so much in there. You don't actually know what you like anymore. So can you just unpack that for a minute for me? Yeah, well, most of us probably know the feeling of uh, purging your closet and how good that feels. It doesn't just feel good because you're getting rid of old stuff that has tears and pit stains and doesn't fit you anymore and is out of style. What's so powerful is when you come back to your closet, the only options left are good ones. So you don't have to think, what am I going to wear today? And you're sorting through all this crap to find something good. You're sorting through the good to find what you're in the mood for today. But all of the options are a good one. And I help people do that with their calendar. So when you you rush through your day and your to-do list, you can't even discern what is good because it's so filled up with crap that either was, (laughs) you know, same thing, out of season it was from your last season and you're holding on to it or you did it out of guilt and obligation or whatever reason. And if you can purge your calendar, like you purge your closet, what's left are only good things. 
what's left are only things that are life-giving and fulfilling and right for you right now that are serving you in this season and where God has you. And, um, and I think that, uh, the, the analogy is so powerful because the parallels are almost exact. The, the reward is almost exact, but I love something you said a second ago too, Jocelyn, is just one of the things I don't want people to miss, especially for believers is that if you don't know what's right for you right now, and you don't know what your focus should be for this season, and you don't know what to cut out and what to keep and all that, God will show you. Yeah. God will show you. And I remember a mentor in college, I actually write about her in the book. Her name is Jana in a separate scenario with her that I did not tell in the book. Um, she said, Christy, your plate is so full right now with all these activities that God can't even show you what's new because there's no room for it. What would it look like to clear your plate and ask God what he wants to put on it? And so the verse, the very front of the um, book is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, four. I've loved that verse forever, but it's so pertinent to the message of this book. If you don't know what you want for your life, if you don't know what you want for this season, if you don't know even what matters to you, maybe it's been so long that you've even considered yourself in your own life. You're just so busy pouring coffee and running to soccer and running and running and running. If you seek him, he will show you. He will show you what he has for you. He will show you what is the emphasis for this season, what to say yes to you, what to say no to. And and he will start to put clarity and affirmations around you as you as you pursue that. So I just want to encourage people, you're not alone in discovering for yourself what's right right now. I love Ecclesiastes 3. For everything, there is a season. There's a time for everything under the sun. And maybe you're in a season of hustle. It's great. Maybe you're in a season of rest. That's great. Maybe you're in a season of taking care of an ailing parent or a child that really needs you right now or um, a season of focusing on your marriage, a season of focusing on your health. I don't know. But God will show you what he has for you and he will uh, make it easier on you to discern what's right right now for you. You're not alone in that. That's so good. Um, And I also think I just, as you were talking, I was actually just thinking about the woman listening who... um, feels bad about her season like I think sometimes we can be in a place like you were sharing like there's seasons where we we have to step back and focus on something we don't we don't want to focus on um and I just feel like God um he just honors our obedience Mm -hmm. and the things that he has called us to and so you're right we it's when we step back with him that he says, Hey, like I'm, I'm calling you to this in this season. And I know it can, sometimes it can feel like a loss or it can feel like, um, this isn't actually what I would choose. Right. So much of this is like, we're saying you get to choose, you could choose. And sometimes we don't. And, um, just that I feel like God honors, he honors the seasons that we, um, really are obedient to in what he calls us to, um, yeah, it's it's interesting you say that because I I'm so in one of those seasons right now. God called me months ago to go to seminary and I argued forever. Argued and argued and argued with him. I was like, I'm not an academic. I didn't go to Bible college. I don't know this stuff. And then finally, I decided to submit and obey, be obedient, and I got transcripts and applied and took my first class in June. And you would think like I tend to think I've been a believer for a long time and I, I feel like I have I know God's character. But for some reason, despite, you know, 25 years of God showing me otherwise, I still tend to think that when God asks me to obey, I'm going to have to obey one time. I'm going to take one step of faith. And then it's just going to be a plateau and smooth sailing and so easy. And he's going to be like, well done. There's going to be a parade in heaven in my honor for my one step of faith. And it's just going to get real easy. It's going to be all downhill from there. 
And what often happens is I take that one step and I look up and there's a whole stinking staircase. It's another step and another step and another step. And I'm like, but, but don't you just want to reward my one step, my one impressive active of, and it's not like that. And so week one of seminary was hard and week three was hard and week nine was hard. It's still hard. And, and I wouldn't say that that's like an easy season, but to your point, it's a season of obedience and, and you will feel more rest in your spirit in obeying God in the hard things than trying to skirt the hard things and find rest on your own. There is no rest for you outside of God's obedience. The rest is in his will. When you feel, and I even talk about this in the book, but when you're, when you make a decision, any decision and you go and you feel relieved, that's a sign that your spirit is in agreement with God's will. It's the relief of the tension of you not obeying or not being in God's will or whatever. And when you agree and submit and obey and get in his will, even if it's hard work, seminary is hard work, but there is a relief and peace that I am doing what God has for me. And so I just want to encourage people, if you took one step on the staircase and you're confused because there's a couple more steps or three or 300, don't let that discourage you like you've done the wrong thing. God is doing something in you with every step of faith in this season of keeping you closely connected to him and he's doing something in your character. And so even though it's hard, it's still the, it's, you're still doing the right thing. Oh, that's so good. And I just think like he will give you grace for those places. And sometimes often, like you said, the, the places he's calling us to, we go with fear and trepidation and excuses. I have like, we have the excuses, um, and they're, they're legitimate, real excuses. But like you said, I, I completely agree. There is a peace that comes with obedience, even if it is really hard. And, and as you're speaking this morning, I was, um, reading through Nehemiah and I was noticing the, like some of the chapter headings and chapter four, it says opposition to the rebuilding, like in Nehemiah really talks about this, like opposition coming against him. So chapter four, opposition to the rebuilding. And then it says, uh, chapter six, further opposition to the rebuilding. And then what I was surprised by this morning, it said, um, opposition to the completed wall. And I was like, what? Like they've completed the wall. Shouldn't that be the place where you're like, and we're good now. Right. But it's like, no, 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 actually it keeps coming. And so I think like what Christy said is we can feel like decisions or the next step of obedience or whatever it is, like we've arrived and there's definitely periods of peace and grace and rest. And there's also periods where God's saying, you know what, I am going to, I'm going to push you a little bit harder here, like, and for your good. And I often feel like sometimes we have pressure that comes at us in different seasons. And, and one of the things that I've talked about, um, on the show that I didn't mention to Christy yet is that my husband and I are gazelle intense. Um, and we, we shared about that in a podcast last fall, which essentially means we know we're, we're doing the Dave Ramsey thing and we are getting out of debt. And part of what has driven me to actually move forward in some of my business things has been that. And I've, I've said to my husband, like many times we've said, we would love to just get money to fall from the sky. We yeah. would love for things to be easy, but we've realized that actually God is growing something in us through this that we need. Right. And I actually believe that um, we are being prepared for a place of having more 
money, but we actually had to learn how to manage money well in this season. And so that's what we're learning right now for later on. And so, um, there's always things that God is doing in and through us. Um, we are going to wrap it up, but I want one last question for you, Christy. Um, your, one of your books, you mentioned, um, business boutique was in 2017. What would you say to Christy of 2017? What would, what advice would you give her today? What a great question. Um, it gets easier. You know, I, I think that in 2017, I was going from one to two kids. I thought I was done with kids for sure. Cause it was so hard going from one to two launching a book. And that was a hard season when you're in a hard season for the record, it feels like it's going to last forever and it doesn't. And I had not ever had a child that knew how to snap himself in the car seat. Like now Carter can dress himself. It's amazing. Apparently that's possible. One day they'll go to the bathroom and I don't even hear about it. Apparently I hear that from other parents that they do that. Like when you've never experienced it, you just think that hard thing is going to last forever and it just gets easier and it just gets better. And it doesn't mean I haven't experienced hard seasons. We've gone through totally different types of hard seasons with our kids and in other areas of our life. But I just think the, the idea that, um, gosh, I just, everything felt so hard and forever. And, um, I don't know. I guess I just feel like that's a word for someone right now that's in one of those hard seasons. Yeah. They feel like it's going to last forever and it's not. When you're tired and you're stressed and you're overwhelmed, everything feels bigger and more impossible than it really is. And God is with you in this valley. I talk about hard seasons in the book, but God is with you in the valley and it will get easier. And God sees you there. He sees you right where you are. It will get easier. Oh, that's so good. That That is a word for somebody. That's a word for a lot of people right now. And you are absolutely right that when you're in it, it feels like I, it feels like it'll last forever. And I, I had, I don't remember what I was going through earlier this year, but that was exactly what my husband said to me. He said, it's a lie that this is going to last forever. It is not going to last forever. And sometimes we just need to actually even speak that truth that's right. over ourselves. This is, this is a season. And, right. and the great thing about seasons, I'm sad that summer is going I'm embracing fall, um, seasons change. And there's a little bit of awkwardness in the change. Yesterday I was wearing a tank top today. I'm wearing a sweater, right? Like it's, there's a transition. Um, and so it's, it's challenging as we go through seasons of, and we go through the change, but we, they do change. We know that. So Christy, thank you for being on the show. Where can people find your book? Where can they find you? Yes. Tell me all the well, things. Thank you. ChristyWright.com slash book for the book, or of course, ChristyWright.com anywhere books are sold. I hang out the most on Instagram and that's at Christy B. Wright. But thank you for having me, Jocelyn. You are just such a light in this space. And um, I'm just so grateful, grateful to be here. Thank you. I uh, have loved having you on the show. And uh, I really would encourage people not only to buy Christy's book, uh, but also to leave a review. Um, that's really big with book sales and, um, yeah. Leave a five-star review. Also check out her podcast. Um, get the downloadables with her book. I, I really do feel like this is something that is going to help you if you feel overwhelmed, stressed, frazzled, or just feel like you are not living the life right now uh, that you were created for. So Christy, thank you for helping us move one step closer to thriving. You're amazing. Thanks for having me. Can I just say thank you for listening? This space has been incredibly encouraging for me this past year. And as I am being deeply encouraged by these conversations, I trust you are as well. And I'm not going to ask you to rate the show or subscribe, 
but I am gonna ask if while you were listening today, a friend popped into your mind and you thought, hmm, I think they could use this encouragement. Can I ask you to share this episode with them, with one person? When I listen to podcasts on my phone, there are three little dots at the bottom right, and I click there to share. Also, can I say sometimes I don't share with others as I'm worried about what they'll think of me if they think I'm bugging them by sharing something, but when someone shares something with me, I am never bothered. Often it is the exact thing I needed to hear. So if someone popped into your mind, click those three little dots and share this encouraging conversation with them. And thank you for listening to Ready to Thrive.